Hello, I'm Susan Flory at the second annual Longevity Forum in London with Laura Deming, founder of the Longevity Fund. Hi, Laura. Hello. You came here from San Francisco, where your fund is based, where you're based. Exactly. But it's amazing to be here in the writing room of the Royal Institution and be surrounded by all this amazing scientific literature. It's just the coolest place on earth. And this is where Michael Faraday has uh, Christmas lectures. I know. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's the perfect venue for this event. Uh, you gave a keynote tracing the history of the longevity industry. Before we get into a bit of that detail, tell me about your fund, when you started it, why you started it. So I started the fund uh, in 2011. And uh, really, the goal at that time was to invest in Therapies a lot of people live longer, healthier lives. I come from a background with doing a bit of research in aging labs, and I'm just very curious as to why none of that was really translating on to affect clinical development of therapies for patients. And what specific areas are you investing in? So we're fascinated by the diversity of approaches to um, going after aging mechanisms. There's a few traditional pathways people talk about, so uh, caloric restriction, the mTOR pathway, a kind of diverse set of genetic pathways, and you know maybe up to 68 different ways that you can make mice live longer. But we think there's kind of a much broader variety beyond that of different ways to impact longevity, and so we're fascinated by those as well. Well, we constantly hear about the market gathering steam, biotech, age tech, emerging asset classes. It's, it's a market exploding, worth $140 billion at the moment. But it wasn't always like that. You gave a keynote tracing the history of the investment landscape. Can you give us a potted version of that? Yeah, thanks for asking. I think what people often forget is many ideas in biotech uh, were tried decades ago and just didn't work for technical reasons, but they were great ideas. And so one example I gave was Excite, which is a company that was working on T-cell therapies for cancer, um, founded by Arch. Uh, which failed uh, relatively quickly um, in about nine years, but then was subsequently reinvigorated as Juno Therapeutics, which went on to have a $9 billion exit to Celgene. It's kind of one of the first uh, incredible exits in biotech that was sparked by a company that you know failed first and then was resurrected. I think we're seeing similarly today is you know, a lot of uh, companies that were started around that time in the 2000s, um, well, a few of them were in aging research, and those didn't do so well, but some of the same ideas are percolating back up and are technically much easier to act upon. So that's kind of driving part of the renaissance of ancient technology today. And you are a big player, would you say, in that renaissance? We're, we're the first fund to invest in this field. I think we're definitely excited by how fast it's growing. And what, what do you see that excites you just over yonder that the general public might not be seeing? I think, you know, gosh, it's, it's how much about biology we don't know that's allowing us to make kind of just new inferences. Um, I think that there's kind of two ways of looking at longevity. One is it's going to be a lot slower than people think, where the first therapies may already be out there or in clinical development, but there'll be things that add minute amounts to human life. So it's kind of like they work, but they work to a very small degree. I think secondarily, there's a very, very hard problem of how do you actually get proper regeneration of either tissue or kind of health in a way that's kind of engineered, not natural. And that, I have no idea kind of on the timeline, uh, you know, how, how long that will take. So kind of two approaches, one relatively safe with, you know, high probability that that's already occurring, I think. And the other, you know, much less certain and kind of but potentially much higher upside. When people are talking to you about the upside of living healthy longer, do you find it's a tough sell when you start to tell them the level at which you're playing in this arena? I think people definitely don't want to live longer if they are unhealthy. So the point that we have to make clear is that we only care about healthy years of life, and it's about adding just years of youth to your existence, not kind of adding on to um, years of age-related disease. Would you say more money is now going into aging science than traditional biotech? No. I, so I, aging science still makes up a small fraction of total spend per year. Um, cancer gets far more funding, both from a research and from a uh, biotech perspective. I think that's shifting a bit um, and probably should shift a bit. 
Um, but still today, there's, there's a larger balance. And lots of companies piling in. Uh, in your keynote, you said 100 plus new longevity companies. Was that per year? Exactly. So it sounds relatively high, but I think you really break it down to you know new companies that are started and attempting to or, or closing seed rounds. And that's relatively correct. Longevity is a pretty broad field. Like I think it sounds niche when you first think of it, but then you realize that there are many, many, many different ways you can imagine to extend human longevity. I think more companies are now branding themselves as such than, than were previously. Do you go out there and try to get PhD candidates to start their own firms that you can invest in? So we um, used to focus a lot on getting science start companies. I think we now just look for people who are great entrepreneurs. And that can mean they come from not biotech, although we do love to work with scientists founders. Um, but our, our main goals is helping educate people about this idea that it's possible to start biotech companies. Um, and it's not quite as hard as you might think. It's definitely quite difficult. But the amounts of capital you need up front are actually relatively low compared to the amounts of people often bandy about. So people often think it takes between 10 to $30 million to start a company, when really it's more like half a million to kind of do the first proof of concept experiments often. Well, well tell me about your proof of concept with running a fund. Uh, I, I hope you don't mind me sharing that you're quite a young person <laughs> yeah, to, be, to be managing such a huge fund. I mean, I did get to start relatively early in life managing the fund, and I think um, you know a lot of that just came from, as a kid, being obsessed with this field of aging and getting to kind of start working labs relatively early. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with me, Laura. Great. Thank you. Laura Deming, founder of the Longevity Fund.